You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato with Redneck Properties. And today we have a very special guest here with us, Patrick Grimes. And he has over 15 years of experience in active real estate investments, purchasing distressed assets, renovating, renovating, and stabilizing for long-term cash flow, particularly on the multifamily side. But what makes Patrick really unique is he also has a uh, energy side. Um, he has different funds set up to complement his uh, apartment building portfolio. He right now, I believe, controls about 5,000 multifamily units, if I'm not mistaken, Patrick. And um, he's also invested, when I say energy, there's a lot that goes into that, but about 135 natural gas and oil wells, uh, $200 million portfolio. So between the apartment buildings and the, the energy portfolio, he has about a billion dollars under management. Uh, so I'm really excited to have Patrick on our show and kind of talk about why does he have, you know, it, for us, my company, Red Knight Properties, we particularly specialize in multifamily apartment building. Um, so why is Patrick ha- interested in the multifamily, but also has the energy portion? Does, do the two complement each other? Um, and how does how does he synergize the two businesses? So really excited to have him on the show. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. Happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me, Anthony. Great. So that's my main question. Um, how do they complement each other? We could kind of go from there. Well, they kind of you got to kind of go back a little forward to kind of fully understand who Patrick is and why he invests the way he does. Okay. Um, you know, back when I started in real estate, I was in pre-development and that tanked through nine and 10, which had me, you know, raked over the coals pretty bad. I got into stabilized existing construction, single family, renovate, uh, buy and hold after that in recession resilient markets. I started looking at kind of the essential need, immediate cash flowing um, assets. And I knew that even though I was a mechanical engineer by day back then, and I wasn't full-time like I am now in private equity and in real estate, but I knew that I needed to diversify. Um, and so what happened is I just built out a bigger and bigger real estate portfolio. Um, meanwhile, that eventually traded in a multifamily. Uh, meanwhile, my family actually collects oil royalties. And I knew that to be recession resilient, I needed to be more than just real estate. I'm a guy that I believe in real estate, especially the multifamily recession resilient markets, stabilized workforce housing that we're invested in like yourself. But I also knew that real estate can crash and well, or real estate can go on pause for a while or even retract, contract. And such as what we're seeing now with interest rates rising and cash flow going down and valuations waning, it uh, makes sense to be potentially in another alternative asset where real estate is an alternative asset as well. Another one of those that's also an essential need like energy, food, and housing. Uh, energy provides for even better tax advantages. It's completely non-correlated to real estate in that it's actually our funds are debt-free and it allows for you to get cash flow and appreciation and in in the same kind of investment structure uh, that you have in multifamily, but in a completely different market cycle. 
Excellent. So I know you're in seven, you mentioned you're in some Sunbelt states, um, the multifamily. Uh, are you also in the same states for the energy? Yeah. So with energy, it, was, it wasn't until I got about a 500 million portfolio of multifamily that I said, hey, look, let me start offering to my investors alternatives to real estate that are also uh, non-correlated to the stock market. And so I started partnering with uh, operators to bring those investments. And so those are located in this, in all in America and mostly in the central states there surrounding Texas. Okay, excellent. Mm -hmm. So when you're investing in, so what exactly on the energy side are you investing in? You, you mentioned oil wells, you mentioned, um, I don't know if there's pipe, it's pipelines, what, what exactly, or if it's, you know, wind farms, there's all sorts of different types of energy now. Um, what, or is it not just one? And, you know, because I mentioned, you mentioned you have a fund set up. So on that side, um, mm -hmm. how, does, how does that portion, what asset class within the energy are you really focused on, or at least heavily concentrated in? Well, as you're pointing out, there's a million ways to invest in energy, just like there's a million ways to invest in real estate. I think in any asset class, there's a high risk, you know, volatile, make it rich quick, big and lose it all strategy, just like there is in energy. There's a lot of people out there investing throughout the whole stack of the processes, just like they are in real estate. We're focusing in the direct oil and gas drilling in known fields that have known proven reserves. I consider it a little bit more analogous to us buying a multifamily building that we know would cash flow because of the nearby comparable property. Family, you're buying a property that that you're buying usually distressed, or but you're buying in a known asset, something that you know can produce income and that can be valued at a multiple, a cap rate, right? And, and energy and oil and gas, we're not wildcatting in the middle of nowhere, hoping that we'll buy, find an asset. We're actually buying leases that have known reserves, that have nearby analogous wells, like comparable properties that are producing oil and natural gas. So that allows us to buy something that has known reserves, and then we value add it. Like in multifamily, when you value add units and you improve those and you cash flow, we're drilling wells in known proven areas, which allows us each time we drill a well to produce more cash flow and it raises the value of the lease. So it's a very simple, kind of very analogous. We, we sell at a multiple, just like in multifamily, you have a cap rate. And then uh, for that side, who are your typical end buyers once you stabilize, um, you know, the, the well or uh, whatever facility in, in the energy sector? Like, are they private equity more so or other operators in the space? Yeah, that's part of the strategy because you always want to invest in a way where you can have an exit. And that's a little bit unique to our the energy strategy that we're investing in and invest on Main Street too. A lot of the oil and gas wells you just like royalties, you buy it for a lifetime. Or if you're drilling a well, you cash flow for a lifetime. In our specific space, we're actually investing in locations nearby large operators, and we're building out an analogous drilling sites that we already know are highly advantageous and marketable to these operators. Now, we have lots of different buyers. Some of the buyers are ones just looking for cash flow. Some are looking to continue to value add the lease which means continue to, to drill on what we call proven undeveloped sites or sites that the geologist has said, hey, look, if you're drilling here, 
then we know that there's also oil here. So this is your next spot, right? Some will sell some that want to continue to essentially farm these leases. And we'll sell some that just want to hold on to it, like endowments or private equity firms or hedge funds. They just want to hold on to it in cash flow, just like how my family has for generations on the oil uh, royalties that we own. And how do you find these opportunities? Because, you know, with apartment buildings and real estate, it's very broker focused. How do you find different wells and different sites? And I mentioned, you mentioned your family's been in it for a very long time as well. Is it just, is it the same way through relationships? Well, so I'm partnering just like how I did when I transitioned from single family to multi, I found operators that knew what they were doing, had had decades experience in specific markets and specific areas had already set up operations in specific markets and specific areas. And we could, we could partner together in the oil and gas space. I'm doing the same thing. Um, I'm not the lead sponsor on those. Why? Because I'm a real estate guy, really. I, have, I know a little bit about oil and gas and I have exposure to it. And very few investors have the knowledge, the network or the resources to actually find and vet and do due diligence on these. So we're doing a, hev a lot of heavy lifting on that end. But I'm working with operators that have over 20 years experience, already built out operations and geologists in the local basins or markets that we're operating in so that we can do a diversified play. I think the, one of the key components to it is oil and gas can be risky if you're only doing one well and you're hoping on that one well. But at scale, if we within one fund do dozens of wells, the unlikely case in which you maybe get a drill bit stuck down, not the halfway down, that's happened before, or we get a dry hole, well, that washes out in the economics. So if you're doing dozens of wells, like in multifamily, when you're doing hundreds of units, if you have a, a fire or a flood, that washes out in the economics there too. So by partnering with operators that have built out expertise, relationships, and, and rigs, and everything needed to do effective oil well drilling in five different basins across the, and basins would be analogous to markets in multifamily, that are all uh, drill friendly, legislative friendly to drilling. By doing that, you build lower risk portfolio and what can be a volatile asset, but a lower risk portfolio uh, that's diversified geographically. Okay, so let me rephrase the question. How are you finding these operators instead of brokers? Okay, yeah, so, uh, so brokers would be the person that would come and like sell you a lease, right? And that is the similar kind of process in oil and gas, where some are owned by individuals and some are out uh, being brokered by brokers. Okay. Uh, and it's the same kind of relationships that you have in multifamily. You can't just go online and look at LoopNet and then <laughs> and look for the, the best deals that you can find because those there's hundreds of other people all gunning for those. They've been on the market and there's a reason why they haven't sold. Part of the reason why it's so valuable is just the kind of the old boys club relationships that you get when you're in the space for a long time. And, and one of the leases that we purchased for this last fund, the family had sat on it for generations or for decades, I mean, just waiting for oil and gas uh, to rise and for them to be ready to make a sale. Mm -hmm. And so then they sold us the lease, but it, it was, this is a, macroeconomically really good time and they were ready to make a move. And it was just a lot of being patient on the sideline and waiting for that. So when you compare it relative to a traditional apartment building or 
real estate investment, when you're doing a value add, um, when you're when you're uh, implementing value add strategies, you know, typically, how long is your investment horizon for the the oil and gas? Well, so in general, oil and gas tends to be longer plays. What's very unique about what we're doing is we are structuring a fund which we acquire, we develop, we value add, and then we divest or we sell. And we do that in, a th in the three to five year period where we buy the leases, we drill unproven undeveloped sites, we do a return of capital event. This entire time we cash flow with, based on the production of natural gas and oil. We do a return of capital event, which is a little analogous to a refinance, but we do that in targeting year two to three. And then we'll continue to develop until we're done drilling the wells with the funds we have raised. And then we'll divest in that three to five year period. And just like in real estate, we have some options for 1031 exchanges forward. So if you are a long-term focused guy and you want to come in like on our deals and, and we'll cash flow tax-free and then we'll return your capital and then sell. If you don't want to pay those capital gains, you can make it a longer term play and, and exchange forward with us. And can you talk about the risk adjusted returns compared to real estate? Like, is, is it, you mentioned, obviously, mm -hmm. there's many different ways to value real estate, but typically, you know, it's the income approach. Um, and then, you know, when you, a purchaser on the back end is looking at an exit cap or, you know, replacement cost basis, um, what, you know, what type of yields are new buyer looking for? And, you know, are you guys more focused on, you know, obviously you're buying these leases. So, and if you're a little bit more longer term, you're looking, I would believe more on your cash on cash return. Um, you know, is that, is that a fair statement as opposed to, you know, an IRR or, or a multiple on the back end, or do you kind of want a combination of everything? Well, these deals are typical oil and gas deals are more long-term cash flow uh, and they can risk adjusted returns. They can be very risky because oftentimes you're just drilling in the middle of nowhere, right? And uh, in, in our particular fund, the idea is to seek the lowest risk or lower risk approach to natural gas and oil drilling by diversifying it across natural gas and oil. 50-50 split is our target. Diversifying across many states, markets, and call them basins is what they call them. And that allows us to be in different political areas. So that lowers your risk adjusted, that lowers your, that lo sorry, that could provide you a better risk adjusted return. And as we drill wells, that provides cash flow. But as I was saying, just like a multifamily, each well that we drill, it really adds two things, right? It adds the cash flow, and then it adds a valuation to the lease. Now, cause that each time you drill a well, you get a greater reserve valuation. And then the future forward-thinking component are what are called PUDs, so proven undeveloped sites. Every time you drill a well, they say, look, here's your, you're now getting cash flow. Here's your additional reserves for this well over time. But now they're saying, hey, based on the 3D seismic, the geology of the underground, here's a few more different sites, PUDs, that you can drill on. So when you go to exit, you have a lot of different pieces. It's not just like a multifamily building where you're just going to sell it all. Somebody can come and say, hey, look, I'm going to buy your oil wells in these and all of your oil wells and just the wells. I'm going to buy your natural gas wells, right? They can say, "I'm because all I want is the production of oil. I want that cash flow play. Some people might say, hey, look, I just want to buy this lease from you. 
uh, and I'm going to be able to take all of not the existing wells, but all of the, the lease and the proven undeveloped sites and any other sites that I want to drill, right? And then they call those proven undeveloped sites PUDs. They call them multiples. PUDs have a multiple that allow you to sell each of those at a, fra a fraction of what they, at, at a multiple of the reserves that they have below them. So you have the ability to sell the lease, you have the ability to sell the PUDs, and you have the ability to sell the cash flow producing assets with on the leases. So there's quite, a, there's actually, there's kind of a stack of things that you can do. And the reason why we're kind of diversified in multiple markets is that it gives us the ability to go to a larger operator and say, hey, do you want a diversified portfolio? Or to go to separate operators that are heavy in, this, in one market in gas, maybe another one in oil in another market, and then sell it off as if we had a diversified real estate play with buildings in a lot of different states. You may find that operators in one state will pay a lot more than the sum of the parts if you try and sell it all together, right? Sure. So it gives us some optionality on the other side. But from a risk-adjusted standpoint, having kind of a lot of pieces diversified in a lot of areas across different products, it does help us on not only the execution of the business plan, but it helps us with optionality on the exit. That's excellent. And uh, kind of the last question related to the energy is obviously there's a lot of government incentives um, to invest in commercial real estate and you know depreciation is one of them is is that similar or um you know are there are there different incentives besides that i mean i'm assuming that there is because you know you have assets and you're dealing with um different life cycles of equipment and uh, and whatnot so um can you talk about that component Sure. Yeah. To, you can probably imagine it's, it's similar in some ways because the IRS, the government is trying to incentivize the investors here to both house, feed, and energize America. Unlike in other countries where uh, the government, those are all run by the government here, they want to incentivize those. So like in real estate, we do have things called depreciation, which is that tax incentive, right? Now, in oil and gas, we do have depreciation, but we also have what are called intangible drilling costs, and we have tangible drilling costs, which is depreciation, and then we have uh, depletion allowances. So there's actually three different things that allow us. So for example, if a high net worth person or accredited investor comes to me and says, hey, look, I want to invest 100 grand into your energy fund. Well, we have always been able to pass through over a 75% uh, intangible drilling cost in the first year. So that means you invest 100 grand, 75% of your investment comes through as a paper loss, right? However, uh, unlike in real estate where you would uh, be unable to take that all in the first year, unless you were a real estate professional, which most of our high income earning high professionals are, are not because they, they can't be. Um, but so it just would carry forward to offset their returns. In oil and gas, it's very unique because you can take that at least 75% paper loss of intangible drilling costs in the first year directly off your adjusted gross income, your ordinary income, which is your active income, your W2, K1, all of that income. So for example, if you invested 100,000 and you made 300,000 one year, most of my investors are only taxed instead of 300,000 on 225,000. And if you're in a 40% marginal tax rate, that's a $30,000 savings. 
It's like getting a 30% return just for investing 100 grand from the government. So all in, you're at 70, but now you're cash flowing at 10 to 20% monthly passive income on 100K, but you're only in at 70K. You're looking at a 3X equity multiple we're projecting on 100K, but you're only in at 70K. So that's how the, that's how the first year kind of plays out the intangibles. But as we drill wells, we now have tangible assets. So moving forward, we take a common in order to offset your monthly passive income, you take a combination of the intangibles we didn't use in the first year, up to 100%. We pass through depreciation on the tangible assets, which is what we have in real estate. And since we're depleting an asset, since now that we've drilled and we're producing natural gas and oil, we have a depletion allowance. So there's actually three stacks, three layers of tax shielding, which allow you to get extraordinary tax advantages up front, monthly passive income tax deferred until we eventually get your capital back through a partial divestiture. It's our early return of capital strategy. So, and the 1031 exchange component on the back end is an incredible optionality as well. So it definitely provides for the kind of incredible tax advantages, maybe even a leg up from real estate. Yeah, we could do a whole nother podcast on tax advantages because I have about 10 questions. But in the interest of time, I just want to highlight, uh, Patrick, you just wrote a book, correct? Persistence, Pivots, and Game Changers. Uh, it became a number one Amazon bestselling book. Uh, I'm going to work on a promo code that I can uh, give to my audience. But could you talk a little bit about what's in the, the, that book? Yeah. So uh, persistence, pivots, and game changers, turning challenges into opportunities. And I did a chapter in it along with some of these fine individuals here. We got Russell Gray from the real estate guys, Phil Collins, lead guitarist of Def Leppard, NFL, NBA, play, NBA players, entrepreneurs, really cool book. I talk about my whole story that started when I was a snot-nosed engineer and then got into put everything I had into real estate pre-development, lost it all in eight, nine, and 10, came crawling out doing single family by distress and hold, eventually traded those up in a larger multi and then started uh, offering out the diversified energy funds. Happy to chat with anybody about any of that. It's a really great book. Investonmainstreet.com slash book is the link. Investonmainstreet.com slash book. And just type in there. If you just the name of the podcast would be fine. Uh, and we'll get you a free signed hard copy. I'm happy to contribute. Um, you can also reach me at investonmainstreet.com slash contact uh, if you'd like to chat a little bit more. Awesome. And we'll have a link to Patrick's website and our social media platform as well as on iTunes in the description. And if you liked what you heard and saw, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps my message out, uh, get out, and Patrick's message get out to a greater audience. That's just the way the algorithm works. And like I said, feel free to connect with Patrick. We'll have a link to his investonmainstreet.com website on all our social media platforms. And uh, we could have uh, another few episodes discussing different topics uh, with Patrick, but I uh, want to you know, take the best interest of everyone's time into account and uh, really appreciate your time and hope to have you on the show again soon. Uh, thank you so much, Anthony. Take care.